Do you listen to all the experts on podcasts and think, no wonder they're experts. They're awesome. They're smart. They're... Stop right there. You're awesome. You have a story to tell, and there really is no one like you. Fellow normal humans, Dahlia Ramahi and Jordan Dreyer share what they've learned in hopes of inspiring you to find your unique voice. This is the Blooming Voices Podcast. Go to bloomingvoices.com for more information. Now let's get to it. Hi guys, welcome to the Blooming Voices Podcast. I'm Jordan Dreyer. And I'm Dahlia Ramahi. We're so excited to have you guys for another episode. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're talking about the intersection of culture and religion and how sometimes people will be like, well, uh, I do this because my religion said, but no, like because people of the same religion do things differently in their culture. Yep. Sometimes we blur the... We blur the lines between culture and religion. What's what? And so it's confusing. Yeah. So, like, we'll give a few examples. And, yeah, this can get confusing sometimes, especially when it comes to, like, mourning. And and I mean, like, funeral mourning and uh, weddings and such. Such as, um, so tell me, tell me, Dolly, you were talking about red in the Islamic culture? No, not red. Just the idea of... um, you know, when in most cultures, uh, it's common to wear black. But in other cultures, uh, like in China, people wear white. You know what I mean? And so for a funeral, for a funeral, yeah, yeah. Or, or or when you're in mourning, um, because uh, sometimes people need to mourn beyond the actual funeral, right? So yeah, they need to feel they feel the need to uh, continue in the colors of mourning. Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. you see it like widows will wear black for a period of time or stay indoors or um, I don't know. Uh, maybe in some cultures I know um, I can't remember which one. Sorry, but like the maybe one will cut her hair to signify something. I, I don't oh, know. Sorry. Yeah. In, in like Jewish tradition, you will tear your clothes and some people will buy like special clothes just to tear them. But ah, because that's it's interesting. Like, it's okay. like written in the Torah. They they rendered their clothes or they rent their clothes, and so like people will get like buy these ribbons to tear, or you can tear your actual clothes depending. So on. in that case, it's religious, yeah. not cultural. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. So in that case, that's a religious thing. And um, do Jewish people wear black, or is that a culture? Like, do they wear black, or is there like some color, or there's no indication mm, of like, color? Yeah, pe- in, people in the wear Judaism black, but it's not Jewish written faith. that you have to. The only thing that's written is the length of the mourning period, and it's very mm-hmm. structured. And and like people have done psychological studies on it, and how like the whole year, because like in the first seven days, you you just sit at home. It's called shiva, which is from from the number seven, and people bring food to you. And then, oh for yeah, like Islam the, is similar. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's probably really similar. Then the next, yeah. uh, the whole first month, including those seven days. After the seven days are done for the rest of that month, you can sort of do stuff again, but you're not you're not supposed to like go to weddings and or anything fun really, because it's more about reflection time for you. Is that for anybody that passes away or no? It's it's is... actually very limited. Like it, there the there's um it's the immediate family basically, like the the parents. The siblings, like, they don't include the aunts and uncles and cousins. And so somebody talked about, like, what if you were really close to your cousins? And so then I'm sure you could make something up. But the only people that are required by religion to do these things are, like, the very immediate family, basically. Oh, very interesting. Islam is similar, but there's, uh, it's only when 
um, the spouse dies, that you're like a that there's an extra mourning period than um, the traditional one. Um, mm. So I thought so they're similar and they're a little different. I find well, that so really what about because then then after that first month for the next whole year until the anniversary of the death, like you can go back to normal life. You can work and stuff. You're still supposed to kind of like refrain from fun activities, though. Like you can um, go to people's weddings, but not dance this kind of thing. And it's oh, that's very interesting. Str- no, we like, don't have, have that in Islam. Yeah, like this. This I, is I, what's written. I'm sure. I don't. I don't know. It's probably today. It's up to you what you want to do. The very orthodox people are going to do these to the letter. But yeah. like this is just what's written. And um, then on the anniversary of the death, uh, there's a special ceremony for like the unveiling of the tombstone or whatever. And um, oh, and then that's it. And and then it's like no more mourning. You have to go live now. So we have a similar concept, but a, a, a much, much shorter period of time. Um, like I said, it's only for uh, the spouse. Um, and and it's usually for the wife to give her a, um, I guess you'd call her a widow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, especially for the woman whose husband passed away, you give her that extra space because um, one... She needs it, right? Mm-hmm. And also, too, to uh, give her a chance to uh, take that time for herself. But also, just because what if she got pregnant before her husband died? Mm. You know what I mean? She needs that support. And so she takes that extra time to just sit and reflect and mourn and do whatever she needs to do. And everyone rallies around her. Do you know what I'm saying? So instead of just jumping back, because I know um, there's the impression with some cultures, um, and, and I'm not talking about a religion thing, that sometimes people just seem to be able to bounce back into yeah. their lives. And, and it's not because they're not sad or they're not grieving, but they find it easier just to try to get right back into their routine. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? Yeah. Exactly. So... Um, I just think it's interesting that when we talk about, for example, I don't even know how we, well, we started talking about mourning because the mourning practices, because in cultures, people wear different things, they handle it a different way. And sometimes uh, you wonder, is it religious or is it cultural? You know what I mean? So like this aspect of uh, what you described is religious, but then Hmm. wearing a certain color is cultural. And sometimes people think the two are like they conflate the two together. Oh, I have to wear black. It's disrespectful if I don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. What will people say? Like, who cares what people say? But I get it. You know what I mean? I mean, they were there were those really strict times, like the Scarlett O'Hara, like Gone with the Wind times of it must be a whole year of wearing black. And this was like a Christian thing, I guess. And or like just the same as how like a woman couldn't be outside the house once she was like past three months pregnant. Yeah. So. They're rules that seem to make sense at the time. Yeah. But so that's one thing. Another food, definitely. So there's two basic, like two main branches of Judaism. And so the ones that went to Europe have like European looking food. And like people in America, we like, (laughs) I learned the term. So they're called Ashkenazi. And uh, because of this is the, the main branch that came to America. Sometimes like I've heard people use the term Ashka normative. Where people think that this, like bagels and delis and whatever, this is this is Jewish. Where, and in fact, there's another branch of Judaism that are more Arabic and Spanish. And so mm. they're going to have more like beans and lentils and 
stuff in their food and and this is also jewish but like so this is culture this is not religion and it's interesting like when people think like this must be required or like the things that are allowed at passover for ashkenazi people like you're not supposed to have like these beans and whatever that the sephardic have because they're like well there's nothing wrong with it but it's funny like what we think is allowed like so yeah these one group is saying that's not religiously allowed and the other group is saying well it's not written that it's not allowed so it must be oh okay so um like how do they interact with each other when you have these differences do just people kind of just do their own thing and the like worlds don't collide or what I'm not sure because it like I know that the majority of the Jewish people in Israel are Sephardic, the is the Arab kind, like the kind from North Africa and Spain. So like because it was fun. when I went to Israel, I was like, there's no like matzo ball soup. <laughs> I mean, like I'm sure there must. We didn't go everywhere. Like we only was there for ten days, but like so I was, the stuff that you were uh, the, yeah used the to stuff I associate with yeah. Jewish food it wasn't there because it was mostly the Arabic food. Like shakshuka and um, yeah. halva and yeah. other stuff. and, and um, Yeah, they eat our food there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like, it's... I was, I, I don't know how it would collide if, if you had both of them at the same Passover table. It seems like they stay apart for the most part, like, because mostly the Ashkenazi people are like New York, LA, and the Sephardic are Latin America and, yeah, Israel and North Africa. Interesting. So, I don't wow. know. I, I don't know how to address that. Yeah, so, okay, yeah, but so that's another example of culture and religion intersecting, and um, when you, sometimes you're like, oh, you think that that's part of religion, and you realize that culture culture influences religion in a lot of ways in the way people uh, interpret religion, right? Yeah, or so, or like, like the we talked about Hanukkah and Christmas. Um, yeah. Like in America, Hanukkah is really big because it it grew to compete with Christmas. But like mm-hmm. in the in Israel, it's not a big deal because so, it doesn't have to compete with anything, basically. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's similar with with Eid, with the Islamic holidays, the Muslim uh-huh. holi- mus- uh, Muslims holidays, uh, because uh, here we make a big deal of Eid al-Fitr, which is the Eid that we celebrate after Ramadan, the month of fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, but over there in the Middle East, Eid al-Adha, which is the holiday that comes after um, the time of like pilgrimage to Mecca, mm-hmm. you know, there's the days of celebration there. That's celebrated even more than Eid al-Fitr is, you know. Because and maybe more people are going to pilgrimage. I don't know. I think I think maybe. Honestly, I never really got a good answer why there's that discrepancy, but I think it has something to do with. When a person, when a Muslim is able to do a pilgrimage to Mecca, it's such a big deal. Yeah. Because most most Muslims are lucky if they get to go once in their life. You know what I mean? Um, some people uh, have the means and the ability and like physically, financially, you know, um, whatever to go multiple times. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of people, they have a it's on their bucket list and some people never get to go. So maybe that's why they So, But of course, also the meaning um, as you know, like uh, with Abraham and not sacrificing, sacrificing his son, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But uh, the the idea of celebration, like even here in America, it's they're different, you know. Yeah, so, even like Christmas too. Like it's really big in America. But when I was in France last year, it's really not. 
Yeah, and it's, so it's kind of just a family thing only. And yeah, here it's a family thing too, but it's just so giant and people buying stuff and decorating their yards and whatever. And, and then like I learned from my Spanish friend that, yeah, like Christmas is kind of nothing. It's, in Spain, it's like just family, very, very small. And then like the Three Kings Day is more important. Yeah, it's so it's so cool when you see that, which is why we like to say on this show, get out of your bubble. Mm-hmm, <laughs> get out mm-hmm. of your bubble and see or experience the world in any way that you can because those kinds of differences allow you to have a, a new perspective, even if it doesn't change your own. But it does it does make you see that, you know, wow, it's a big world. I know people like to say it's such a small world, but it's also a big world full of so many people. Yeah. Doing things kind of the same, but not really. So it's fun to learn. Can you talk about the headscarf and how how is that religious versus cultural? It's not cultural. It's religious. Okay. So, um, but the way it's interpreted is different, but it's a religious thing. So the headscarf is what women wear as part of uh, Islam, but it's interpreted a little bit differently, which is why some people don't wear it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that's not cultural. What's cultural is the burqa, burqa in Afghanistan. What's cultural is the niqab, the the face coverings that um, women have that is so uh, that there's always negative stereotypes in Western media. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? All that stuff is cultural. Mm. Okay. So when you see women, the women of Saudi Arabia who used to wear all the black and cover their faces, that is cultural. That's not religious. Mm-hmm. That's all that's required is the hair to be covered. And um, you'll see many different women, Muslim women, wear the hijab in different ways. And it looks different. They do- don't all wear the hijab in the same way. The ones who do wear hijab might have the scarf um, just around their head with their neck showing. Some wear it uh, really tightly around their uh, head to make sure that not even a piece of hair will show and not- nothing from their neck shows. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but do pe- uh, so Oh, but so they would never wear wigs? No, no. We, no, we don't do wigs. No. Okay, because some Orthodox Jews actually do that. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, like that, you, but you no, can, not you in Islam. Have your no. own hair very short, and then you can play around with. Like I have a friend that she cho- like she was like not Orthodox, born into it, but she chose it like later in life, which is amazing to me. But like, so she she plays around with different wigs all the time and has fun with it. And you mean instead of it's, it's like as the like as, she has a she has like of like covering their hair. But yeah, with yeah. I mean, she, they have they have head coverings too. I don't know what it's called. Uh, and so sometimes you'll see them covered like like that, but sometimes they're wearing wigs too. Like that's allowed. Yeah. So head covering, um, and then you know you have those people who just are anti something and be like, oh, there's nothing religious about that or whatever. But it is. Um, but it, what's not clear is the exact way to do it. And so that's where the wonderful men and the patriarchy no. of our religions come in and decide that it has to be this way or it has to be that way. And, you know, it's that's where it's okay to question things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I grew up uh, thinking I wasn't allowed to question anything in my faith, even though my dad always said, feel free to ask questions. You have the right to ask questions so that mm-hmm. you understand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't believe in ignorance, you know, That's or just nice. going by what you were told. Yeah. So it's each of our responsibilities as human beings to learn, not to be spoon fed information. Hey, but if you want to live your life that way, great. No judgment from me. You know what I mean? 
like I'm uh, not you judging. could say that's cultural for some people, <laughs> like some yeah, of the really like, strict churches. Yeah, well, I think that anyone, anyone who just blindly listens to the word of a religious leader and goes along with what they say 100% of the time or even 95% of the time or even 90% of the time, <laughs> I think that they need to do some soul work. And mm-hmm. and that's not a, that's, that's my opinion. And I like, I just don't think even religious leaders get it wrong. Yeah. Um, like, because, you know, I, you know, my, uh, my family and my friends always say, you're such a feminist. And I'm like, that's not a bad thing. I'm okay <laughs> with that. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? But I don't, believe that everything that we're taught today everything that we're told is right versus wrong is always accurate and i'm not questioning my religion i'm questioning the leaders who want to decide for the whole based on their outdated views do you know what i'm saying And again, the, the, it's a patriarchy. And like we have it here even in America when men are trying to decide how women should treat their bodies. Yeah. You know, it's it's no different than um, forget about religion for a second. But women, what back is the, in the 50s and 60s, couldn't even get a credit card in their own name. Everything had to, or a bank account or whatever it was. They had yeah. to do everything th- through their husband. They needed their husband's permission. And it was even OK for them to beat their wives. You know what I'm saying? So, um, like, they had every right to discipline their women. So, And that was in America, guys. You know what I'm saying? So when we talk about culture and religion, you know, it's easy. This is going to just take us a little off topic, but it needs to be said. It's easy to judge a group of people you're not connected to, but you need to stop and think about where you came from. And just because you're not where those people are at today, you were there and your people were there at some point. You know what I'm saying? So we all evolve. We all have our own practices. And yes, religion and culture get conflated and the line between the two get blurred and it causes people to misinterpret and practice things that seem yeah. odd or when you're born into is. something it's all you know like because i think about there's a there's something called the quiver fall movement which is some really extreme christian sect that's like never heard of it it's what, where is bi- it like pennsylvania or something uh, um, okay oh so and, here in america okay yeah like but it's just all about like the idea of that a man is a man must have like basically a quiver like an arrow quiver so that he must have as many children as like a quiver full of arrows or something like that and that pleases God, something like that. And so it's like all about very patriarchal and the women just have baby after baby after baby. Ew. And, and no like, oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. so like, but I, I imagine most of those people are born into that life. And yeah, yeah you can you can ridicule them, too. And I, it's like, oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. Like, exactly. let those women go. But like, if maybe they were born into it as little girls, like they don't know anything different. And it's very cultish. Exactly. It's very like because there's a lady, she has a website called Quivering No More. And she talks about this life and how she got out and escaped with her kids and stuff like that. Well, I mean, it's even like those people that are born into Scientology, which everybody mm. calls a cult. My point is, it's so easy for when we're on the outside to say, ew, um, uh, or uh, like what is wrong with them don't they know yeah. any better but like you said um, you know and it's not even it's 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 I don't know it's it just boggles my mind when we can uh, sit there and um, judge when we really know nothing about 
what we're judging. Or some people really fully love it. I don't know. Like, I have a friend that belongs to Church of Christ, and, like, she's just having tons of babies herself, and they don't believe in contraception, I guess. And she just, that uh, that's all she apparently ever wanted was to be a mom. And, like, I don't know. She she really seems to enjoy her life like this. And so it's like, okay, then all power well, to you. that's good. Like, this yeah, is not exactly. the life I would want, but it looks like you're enjoying yourself, and she really does believe that the woman is subservient to the man, I guess. Because, like, when I was at their house, they have literature like that around the house. And it's like, okay, this is really bad to me, but I'm not going to say anything because it seems to make you happy. And or, like, my my friend that chose Orthodox Judaism later in life. Like, she likes some people that choose Orthodoxy, like, that structure, like, being told what to do of, like, you can't you can't do this on Friday nights. You can't eat this. You can't wear that. Like, whatever. It gives them a sense of comfort, a sense of safety, a sense of uh, belonging. And, you know, um, it takes away maybe the fear of the unknown. You know what I mean? So, like, whatever the motivation, I like, I get the appeal. I totally get it. Yeah. So as long as you can be like, well, I could never do that. Like, but don't. I don't know. You can ask them questions. Like, uh, yeah, I would say be curious and stuff, but try not to be judgy while you ask your questions. Like, why do you wear that? Why do you eat that? Well, I mean, but here's the thing. You know, the thing about judgment is we all have it all the time. Yeah. Judgment isn't good or bad. And um, it's it's human nature to judge. But I think what you're talking about is judging with negativity. Yeah. And and judging, it's not really judging when you've already made up your mind. Mm-hmm. Right? So judging implies that you're coming to a decision of something, right? You're trying mm-hmm. to judge something. You're trying to decide, <clears throat> right? Or Or you've come to a judgment. But like you said, but I think like... What I feel sometimes the approach is to cultural curiosity or religious curiosity or whatever it is, is to already have a negative a negative perception, and then you ask questions to reinforce that idea. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if okay. you're truly coming from a curious mind, allow yourself to be open to whatever yeah. you receive as information. That's all. So, yeah, curiosity is where it's at, Jordan. Yeah, I've always been curious. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like just working on not having the negativity, really. And, mm-hmm. and or I guess that comes from, like, voice acting. <laughs> like, I don't know, like if normal people can learn to temper their own voices so that you don't offend somebody with your question. And, and it does sound that you're just asking curiously because sometimes it, the way you ask a thing can put somebody off. You know, I I have a feeling about that. (laughs) Um, I think that, yeah, there's tact, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The way way we choose to speak has a big part of it. But I think more importantly, it's the way we choose to think and the way we interpret what is said. Because um, here's the thing. Like, you remember how we were talking that other episode, how sometimes you can be kind of blunt yeah. And like you were talking about how um, that girl on the TV was fat or something like that. And your yeah. roommates were like, Jordan, whatever. And we said, I'm like, you weren't saying anything wrong, but you just uh, maybe you didn't say it with as much tact or whatever it is that yeah. they interpreted. But um, and it's not about and this is not about like political correctness. That's not where I'm going with that or anything like that. But what I mean is we can just speak plainly. You know, and uh, be curious without being afraid to offend. 
And what I mean is, if you know you come from the spirit of genuine curiosity to learn, then yeah. it's going to come across that way. And people will feel that because you are showing an interest in them. But when you come with the intention of to be to wrong someone or to ridicule them yeah. or to show them up in some way believe me that comes across too so more than the words yeah, yeah. it's the thoughts and intentions behind them because you can have all the tact okay. and still well, be so, an asshole sometimes because sometimes yeah like my my sometimes my plain speaking like i guess ast- astounds people but yeah Yeah. Well, just the other day I was talking to somebody and I was just very blunt because um, and I wasn't and I wasn't blunt in a mean way. I just said, you know, uh, well, when you're ready to have an honest conversation, I'm here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're triggered by something, that's your responsibility to engage on it. But um, it is what it is, basically. And she said that I was name calling or something. Because, oh, because she said I was being judgy. (laughs) Oh, and I'm like, I'm not. And I'm like, you know, you talk about like we talk about name calling and all that stuff. But you're saying I'm judgy because I just said a truth. You know what I mean? And I like that's the point is that sometimes we can speak our truth. But the people who don't like when you stand in your power will, will find any reason to complain about the way you speak. And again, I wasn't being a jerk. I wasn't being mean. I wasn't like yeah. calling. I don't even like the, I, I don't even like the words calling you out. Like I don't need to call somebody out. It's not my yeah. place to call somebody else out on their actions or their words. Everybody's when you're dealing with adults. Yes. There's different varying levels of adults of, of being an adult. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And acting like one, but it's not my place to call you out, Jordan, or that woman out, or anyone else. We need to be accountable for our words and our actions ourselves. You know what I mean? But I am allowed to speak my truth if I know that it's coming from uh, a place where it's not hurtful. It's not It's not meaning to harm. You know what I mean? It's so interesting so, because that's, yeah. my, like, that's my like work for the month is from my Musar classes about truth. And it's all, I want to do that in another episode. But yeah. Um, so yeah, coming back to the religion and culture and stuff. Yeah, like we ca- we got way off track. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but so hey, sometimes you. it leads to different things, yeah. and that's what this yeah. podcast's about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's unscripted. And but anyway, I yeah. hope you enjoyed. And it was uh, that it might have been somewhat educational for you. And we uh, hope so. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, culture and religion intersect, and then sometimes they're very different. And you and can oh, have... but we can tie this together because it all affects the way you think. And the way you think impacts the way you speak and the way you act. So, ta-da! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Right. So, it all it's all connected. <laughs> yes. So, you can find us on email, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, our website, bloomingvoices.com. Yep. And we would love to hear from you. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We love you. See you Thank next you. time. Thank <laughs> you. Bye. That's our show. Didn't get enough of the twins? Go to bloomingvoices.com for more information and let us know what you thought of the episode. Twitter, Instagram, email, we've got the works. We'll see you next Wednesday.